do you want your dream to be featured on our podcast? Do you have a recurring dream that drives you wild? A sex dream that leaves you feeling dirty? A nightmare that makes you feel guilty? Head over to www.wildestdreamspodcast.com and click the submit tab. Once you're there, fill out our form and submit your dream as text. Prefer to send audio? You can always drop us a line at our email, submit at wildestdreamspodcast.com. Each week, we'll feature one dream that we will try our damnedest to decipher. It's listeners like you that keep our dream alive. Pizza, your platform for creatives, and today we have the one and only amazing, multi-talented, award-winning. <laughs> have you won any awards? Um, define award. Is money an award? Okay, an award-winning, <laughs> multidisciplinary artist, Nadia Hussein. Whoa, 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 Nadia! I'm so freaking sorry. I butchered your last name. It is Nadia Hassan, not Hussein. Nadia Hassan. All right, back to the episode. Yeah. What's going on? What's going on with you? We just had an amazing conversation about High Point, North Carolina. I had no clue you were born there, which is insane. <laughs> we the world knows now. I was also born there, so Secrets I love out. I love meeting native High Pointers because we all know the struggle of growing up in High Point. So this is great. Heck yeah! So, um, gosh, where I'm gonna start? Designer, illustrator, photographer, sometimes. Sometimes. To copywriter. Yes. Um, don't have a choice. <laughs> don't have a choice. Exactly. Don't have a choice. Fully freelance for five years. Oh my gosh. So we got a lot to talk about and package up. The Free Pizza Podcast is proudly sponsored by Lucky House MFG. Lucky House is an eco-friendly screen printing and design studio with over 10 years of experience in the industry. They offer high quality custom printing services, including apparel printing, graphic design, promo goods, and embroidery. Visit www.luckyhousemfg.com to get a quote and to learn more. Like, where did the creative journey start for the Nadia Hussein? I I can't remember a time in my life when I wasn't creating. Like, it's like some of my earliest memories are of making stuff and just playing like even in kindergarten i remember i was always in like the art center and i was always making and drawing and it's just been a part of my life i think it's a part of a lot of kids lives and um you know so that's not out of the ordinary and i but i think it's just i feel like i was always doing it and it was like the only like the main thing i like doing so um and i just I don't think I even recognized it as being special or being interesting or being something that was like meaningful to me until probably till I was in um, college because I was a, yeah, like it was just something I just took for granted, you know, just like you eat food, you make art, right? It's just what you do. Yeah. You didn't think about it. I I didn't think about it. I didn't know that it, you know, that that's not what everybody (laughs) wants to spend every minute of their life doing. So when I was in college, I um, didn't quite know what I wanted to major in. I went to UNC Greensboro and Spartans. Spartans. And I kind of started out as a, I had never considered art as a career. Um, it was something fun that I did, but I didn't even think about, oh, I could make a living doing this. So I started out as a chemistry nutrition major. Really? Yes. So very far from, from where I ended up and it was my first semester and I was enjoying classes and I was enjoying college, but I really missed having art in my life in a meaningful way. And like, it felt like I could, something was missing for sure. So I didn't know what my career was going to be or how I was going to pull it off, but there was a light bulb moment that semester when I was like, I have to, like, I'm going to be a designer. Like, this is what I'm going to do because I miss this so much. Mm. And yeah, I think that was the first time it took those many years of my oh life my before I realized how important the making um, and creativity was to me. Because again, I just had never even stopped to consider um, what it meant to let, until I didn't really have it there because oh, right. I didn't have the time. Yes. Um, in college as a not design major there wasn't a lot of I was working at least two jobs at that point trying to go to class and um I think part of me just wanted a way to like make sure I had time (laughs) to make art but yeah yeah, like I also I knew it's one of the few times when I had this like this certainty about um what I wanted 
and it was in, in that moment in that first um, semester of college being like yeah I have to do this and I don't know how and I don't really care how like, I'm just gonna do it I'm just gonna I'm gonna make this happen and um, I love that I love so that. yeah like it was it was a moment of clarity that I was appreciative for because I'm very much about my least favorite question ever is where do you want to be in five years I hate oh, that question gosh, yes, I hate that question so much because so annoying. I'm so much about the journey and I'm um, I try not to get emotionally attached to like one certain outcome I like to be open to possibilities and just kind of see okay what might happen if I do this or uh, just kind of let the path unfold a little bit mm-hmm. and so that was a rare moment of like I know what I want yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. very like a very decisive like yes granted that I didn't know how I was going to do it or what that was going to mean but it did at least I was able to narrow down like I'm doing this so that's cool that's amazing. So it took to a big gap between yes. you being home to college. That's pretty insane. Yes. Small step back. What were you making or creating in those years before college that you that you enjoyed doing? Sure. Um, I was very crafty. I love to do anything with my hands, but um, like I also remember uh, like Highlights Magazine. Do you remember Highlights Magazine? I don't. Okay. Well, it's like a magazine for kids. And oh, that's cool. Anytime it was ever around, especially if I was like. They always had it like the dentist office or the doctor's oh, office. So you're sense. sitting there bored waiting for your appointment. And like, I'd always open it to see like what the craft, they always had like a craft activity. So I'd always yeah. like try to find that. Um, and I don't know. I just, I, I drew a lot. I was illustrated, um, did a lot of illustration and drawing, which is funny. I don't like, I'm so bad now about keeping up. I don't want to oh, draw. Oh yeah. Like, Ugh. I yeah. want to sketch, and it's like the most important part of the process. And well, like, especially your it. process. I don't want to do it. Like I don't want to do like the most important thing about my job. Um, that's awesome. So yeah, I, I'm trying to think of something specific, but mostly I just if there you were you know yeah, yeah just do like if if there were art supplies involved of any kind, like I was all about it. You were in it. I was all about and like yeah, I would um, I was definitely. I would rope my like cousins into making stuff with me and um love that so yeah like they're usually on board but i was always the instigator they, it wasn't something that they i think really wanted to do but like, you know, yes, I, was, was like, I was persuasive <laughs> so, now you're gonna do this yeah, you're like, going right yeah, now you're, we are doing this <laughs> yeah for sure oh absolutely i love that okay so let's jump back to college because this is it's pretty crazy that you switch gears completely sure. science degree yeah went to design sure what grade were you? Was it your sophomore, junior year? No, it was it was my freshman year oh, that, fr- okay, yeah, that I made this. So okay. it was just my first semester, okay. and yeah, so I hadn't gotten luckily I didn't waste too much Thank time. Thank goodness! Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, that's, <laughs> no. that's completely starting over. No. Thankfully, I didn't have to. <laughs> thankfully, the light bulb came on early in the process, so that I wasn't. Um, yeah, it didn't take me six years to get a design degree. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. I don't think it. That's not a good use of six years. Oh man. Um, well, yeah, so, okay, because I knew a lot of kids who were in the, the art program at UNCG, um, who lived in the studios and all that, yes. and cra- crazy hours. So, but they had a lot of positive things to say about the, the, the experience there. Yes. So, kind of go over your experience at UNCG, being in, a, in the art program, because I know it was very, not competitive, which is what I'm looking for. Um, um, I guess tedious, some of the projects, and very, it, it, it wasn't, it very, it was, it's not easy. It's not, it's very yes. labor-intensive. Yes. And it's funny, I feel like, compared to like the folks in the IARC, the interior architecture program there is maybe not quite as rigorous as that is. <laughs> we yeah. actually got to sleep in our own beds sometimes, but, I knew them but too. it was, yeah. it was still, um, it was a labor of love, but it was definitely labor. I mean, you, you were in that studio, you, you especially you're starting out, you're learning a lot of skills, um, like actual like software and how to use the tools that you need to use, but you're also learning how to think in a more focused, creative way and not just, how to harness whatever inspiration you have and how to turn it into something that's more than just, oh, wouldn't that be neat? And like how to really think deeply and strategically, um, but then also how to be open to inspiration and how to be experimental. So you're just learning. Mm. It's, it's a really intense experience. And I, I loved it. Like I loved almost every minute of it, but it, you know, it required complete focus and attention. I mean, like the I have a fine arts degree, and those of us in any of the fine art programs, whether it's music or art or dance or theater, um, I'm pretty. I remember we were exempt from certain um, uh, requirements in the curriculum because 
uh, we just didn't have time in our schedules to exactly <laughs> to, you I, can't do I, anything I, else. I forget what the, it might I don't remember if it was like a language requirement or, or whatever but there were certain classes that we did not have to take because we wouldn't have had the time to graduate in the allotted amount of time because it was just we had yeah it was it was a it was a whole experience and it was um you know looking but it felt really hard at the time and it was but looking back I'm like wow that was you know I'm so fortunate to have been able to go to go to college at all but then to be in that art program like what a what a privilege that was to to be there so absolutely absolutely were you worried at all about how you'd be able to live off of art while you were in there was that was did that ever enter your brain i think i did not really have a clue what i was going to i mean i knew that there were design jobs yes i think i was trying to just take one step at a time and not worry too much about what happens after I graduate. But also I worked um, like retail and restaurants up to that point. So I was like thinking worst case scenario, just work a minimum wage job or three. Like, so, and in some ways I think that thinking might've been to my detriment. Like I, I was limiting myself preemptively by not maybe thinking or aiming a little bit bigger. But at the same time, I think it's sometimes it's just good to be realistic and it's good to, to not have your heart set on one specific thing until you know that that's what you want. Which one you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I was definitely a little bit worried, but it was like the worry of what I was going to do after school was not as immediate as like, how am I going to get this project done? Yes. <laughs> so, Very I, good I, point. I, I think yeah. having projects to, to distract you um, and keep your focus and on the present was nice because I didn't really have time to worry about <laughs> after graduation because I was like oh my gosh I have no idea how to do this thing that I've decided that I'm going to do for this project that's due in two days um so yeah it was it was nice in that way yeah yeah that was a good segue actually because I want to ask I going to ask you how obviously you went in there with skills and knowledge of being a designer and creative but I'm sure you were challenged I'm sure you were throwing things that you probably didn't know how to navigate or figure out so was it tough kind of figuring was it tough kind of tackling things you weren't comfortable with while you were in that space and studying, you know, different parts of design and all that? It certainly was. And I cannot tell you how many projects that I would do almost to completion to completion. And then I would literally trash it like really and start over. And like, I had a reputation among like my classmates of like <laughs> doing that. And, but the thing was the, the second one was always a lot easier to do because I'd already done all that. Like I'd already kind of trial and error my way through the first one that didn't turn out so great that I, ended up trashing but yeah I mean it was like I didn't I didn't know what I didn't know and of course you know this wasn't the stone age we did have the internet but the internet wasn't the like Pinterest I don't think Pinterest existed you know you couldn't go and like no yeah Instagram most certainly did not exist because smartphones didn't exist and um so you know the internet was there as a resource but it wasn't the thing you it wasn't how to do literally everything in the world on YouTube. You couldn't mm-hmm. find that yet. If YouTube existed, it was at this point just like cat videos and, and it was comedy. It yeah, was comedy mostly. and and triple X. You know, like yes. there was nothing in there that was helpful to designers. Very <laughs> true. Very true. Point. Not yet. Cats and porn. What's so, what year was this? Um, so I started. Oh my gosh, I'm definitely gonna date. I'm I'm an elder millennial, and I started UNCG in 2003, and I graduated in 2007. Gotcha. So, okay. Yes. Yes. Um, right before the iPhone. Uh, popped on the scene. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. I'm so old. Um, <laughs> Shut up. But, <laughs> but yeah, so it was, and I'm trying to think back to that time. I think because I loved what I was doing, that it was a challenge, but like there was an excitement to it. And like, I don't know if I ever, other than life drawing um, or <laughs> sculpture to some extent, as long as if it was a digital design class or something that involved like paper. I just really love me some paper. I don't know why, but like I was in my element and I knew that like I was going to get it done. I wasn't yeah. worried about that, but <clears throat> certainly life drawing of pretty much any kind, but life drawing in particular, that was about the death of me. <laughs> and like, um, so those classes probably posed the most challenge because I just, it wasn't, I didn't have that excitement. It wasn't fun for me. It was a chore and I learned from them and then and I guess I'm better for it, but absolutely. <laughs> I think it's really cool that you did that in an age where you didn't have the YouTube and stuff, where the answers were kind of like right there, available, yes. ready, 
available right when you needed it kind of right. instantly kind of had to dig for it you know yes. or go through books or whatever yes. Did you, was that a resource you used back then i i feel like i might have looked at a book or two yeah i definitely yeah. look yeah. i mean and I, I love books so i was more than happy to dig through books but i think it also shielded me from you know a stressor that almost all of us have now which is this comparison trap that we can fall oh. into and yes. it's just you know i didn't have as much of that there wasn't this overwhelming just like like an avalanche of visual information that you can't escape from the Mm -hmm. way there is now. And I both, you know, I'm addicted to it, but also overwhelmed by it. And it's this very complicated thing that I navigate now, but I'm glad to be doing that with the experience perspective that I have. I don't think I, I don't know what that would have, how that would have affected my education and my ability to just put my head down and get things done. You know, if I had this, if I had a smart, I mean, like, the iPod had just came just, out. Yes, it did. Like, that's that's where, you know. Good and, times. And flip phones. So, I mean, like, you had distractions, certainly, but they were a little more analog and a little more old school. <laughs> so, yes. so, yeah. Um, that's really interesting. I'm trying just, I'm kind of having flashbacks to those days before <laughs> all of Instagram and Pinterest yeah. and Tumblr and all that of how creatives kind of worked, you know? Sure. Um, so, that's really cool. That's awesome. It's cool. I also envy that you didn't have the comparison thing you know it's because on instagram you you log on you instantly see designers photographers that who tell me about it you know you're like oh i'm not better than they are blah blah, blah you know just you yeah. know so i've had to limit like i've put a time limit on my phone for instagram i get half an hour a day because otherwise yeah i'm just scrolling and it's sucking my energy and like um making me feel depleted before yes. i've even done anything Absolutely. and like that's not healthy and that's also silly and it's also it's avoidable i yes. mean i do love instagram but yeah i just i finally had to say you know what this is not adding anything yeah it's taking away from me like it's yeah. taking away my motivation it's taking away my energy and that's the point at which i had to say okay we gotta scale this back a little bit um i don't even want to know how much time i was on instagram before like i wasn't keeping track and i don't want to know so i'm not gonna no, look at, not, i'm not gonna dig gonna, through my phone to find no, i'm gonna look at that right now <laughs> so. Wow. So let's scoot through to you graduating. Um, you had design degree. Your focus was design. Yes. Okay. Yes, it perfect. Was a bachelor of Fine Arts with a with a concentration in design. You're exactly right. Perfect. So oh, before we get there, I want to go through critiques. <laughs> sure. Because I'm always very. I, I didn't go to school for for art. Okay. So I'm always interested in seeing yeah. how yeah, people yeah. went, and how critiques went, and your your opinion on critiques. So, did you were they pretty harsh with you? there as far as uh looking at your work no and part of me wishes maybe they had been a little more harsh oh, but part of me also oh, knows i would have just ignored them anyway so okay. it's, it's probably better yes that, that sometimes i do feel like i i mean in, to my credit i put a lot of time and thought into what i was doing that is not to say it couldn't be improved or didn't have room for um suggestions to improve it but like I mean, I think part of the reason why people weren't so harsh was that, like, I feel like it was pretty evident that, you know, I was taking what I was doing seriously, and it wasn't, like, a big old mess. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, I mean, if I could go back and critique my own work, I would ask a lot more questions, like, why did you make this choice? What did this mean to you? Like, why were you so drawn to this? Just trying to dig into more. I knew all of those things intuitively, but I could not articulate them and I think as a designer in particular as an artist too but designers you have because you know you're gonna have clients and you're gonna have people that want to know why you're making the choices you're making and that you're gonna have to sell you know a particular solution to somebody it's important to be able to say all of the like jumble of ideas and just that like gut feeling you have it's good to be able to translate that into into words and that's not something that I feel like I wasn't really made to do that in school I or if I again if someone tries to make me do something I don't envy that person their job so it's mm. just as well that they that they did yes because um, I'm super stubborn but yeah I, I think you know if I could give advice to my um, my younger self or like my myself in college you know I would ask some of those questions or just be like you know focus on these things and also keep a freaking sketchbook um, all the time <laughs> just keep yes a, keep a sketchbook keep a record doesn't matter if it's ugly i have the ugliest sketchbooks in the whole world which is why you don't see any pictures of them but it's not about whether they are pretty or not it's about can you get your ideas down so that you have them later because yes. 
so your brilliant ideas need to be, you know, documented. Absolutely. Um, are you serious? <laughs> Toby. Eric. Eric. <laughs> cool it, Eric. <laughs> so it seems like you're more on self-critic, self-critique than sure. someone else really coming in with their views on what you're trying to get across. Sure. Okay, okay. Because I'm, I'm, I'm very on the edge of iffy about how critiques work. Because sometimes a viewer doesn't know what you were trying to get across. Exactly. And yeah. I... So this is a little bit off topic and we won't dig too much into this, but I did actually do, because this is jumping forward a little bit, I, I did one year of graduate school. Okay. I, did, I got one half of an MFA, and, <laughs> which is the same as having none of an MFA. Um, <laughs> it's pretty useless, although the experience itself Let's was, say, yeah, the experience, experience was not useless. Um, the program was not a great fit for me, and that's no one's fault and it's no... Um, nothing to say about the program itself i just i realized you know what i don't this degree is not important enough to me to do all the things i need to do to get it and i think you know it was hard to decide to leave the program because i don't up to that point you know hadn't quit a lot of things that i started and to say you know what this this was not yeah i i quit a big thing that i that i started doing and that was a weird thing for me to do but that was the right choice because if I was being honest with myself, I'm like, you know what, this isn't important to me. But point that I'm getting to is that the critiques in grad school were... Oh, my God. I spent so much time crying in grad school. I was wondering. <laughs> I've heard that before. Like, people just, just put to tears. I and, and the thing was, I wasn't even... I was frustrated. I was angry. They weren't, like, sad tears. They were, like, I hate you yes. kind of tears. They were the feeling of being misunderstood or the feeling of, like... You know, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm more thin-skinned than I realized. And that's not really a surprise. I don't have any reason to have a thick skin. I live by myself in this nice insulated bubble, and there's no one here to pick on me. So Very true. And that's on purpose. But grad school, I had to be accountable to people in a way that I felt like, why should I have to explain this to you? This is, mm-hmm. I, like... You're not like in a rude, I know that sounds rude and maybe to an extent it is, but it's not like, oh, I don't want to be bothered. It's just like, why are you the person that gets to decide if this is art or not? Why are you the person that gets to decide if this idea is valid or not? Because you're not me and you don't have, and and to the point you were making earlier, it's like the viewer might not, they don't have all the information about Mm -hmm. what went into the work. And some people will make the argument that your work has to account for that and I would say no it doesn't yeah, work doesn't owe you anything if mm-hmm. it doesn't speak to you it doesn't speak to you and like if you have to explain art especially visual art in words to someone for it to mean anything well then what what do you need the visual part for just tell them a story you exactly. know so it's just, it's just this weird mind game that there's I don't think there's a real good answer to it even though people have spent a lot of time thinking and writing about exactly this topic even, you know, the, the books I've read on it, it, mostly it was just validating in that it made me realize, like, there's no good answer to this. And, like, you can think about it all day, every day. And it, it, it's not, there's no solution to this problem. You, you have to form your own views and you have to, like, just be comfortable with it and just be like, yeah, no, this is how I feel about this. <laughs> and I'm sorry if that does not work for you. And a lot of the the views that I had and the ways that I felt did not work in the oh context of, of that MFA program. And um, and again, like I, I, I get what they were trying to do, but I also still stand behind my own uh, position and, and my own sense of like, yeah, this is nonsense. So yeah. <laughs> thank you, but... I'm going to go now. I'm going to peace out. Uh, I'm gonna, I, and I did. I peaced out real hard. Wow. Um, okay. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Don't want that on the record. Okay. Either, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Anywho. So we're going to jump to after that. Yes. After, you, after you that. decide to go into the workforce, right? Well, so um, after I graduated with my BFA, I needed to get a job of some sort. And yes. my first job was as a bank teller, which is very designy. Just kidding. It yes, wasn't. let's go. But you know, I mean, it was a job and it, it paid a living ish wage at the time. And like, uh, it was probably the easiest job I've ever had. So while I was working at my bank teller job, I was also, uh, you know, working on my portfolio, I realized, wow, the gap between what I learned in school, which was a whole bunch of things and the, what I needed to know and the skills I needed to prove 
in order to get a job. And that gap was like Grand Canyon sized. Oh, wow. And I, you know, I, so there are technical design schools like the program at um, GTCC that we have here locally where like you learn, you know, they are helping you build a design portfolio that's going to get you a design job. Yes. The UNCG program is a little different. (laughs) It's a little more touchy-feely, conceptual, you know, let's have fun and make art. So um, had I gone to GTCC and done, you know, an associate's degree in design, I might have actually been a little more prepared for a career (laughs) versus um, having to make up a lot of that space on my own. And again, that's not... I don't know that everybody leaves a BFA program as unprepared as I do. I think that might have just been choices that I made. Um, we're just going. We'll just blame that on me and not on the program. And also, it was a it was a different time that uh, web design jobs were becoming way Ooh. more common than mm-hmm. the other types of design work that you know. So there was just a transition in the industry going on that I think you know a lot of people were trying to to uh, catch up to. It wasn't just um, UNCG and so yeah, I had I had a lot. Uh, of work to do <laughs> after yeah, I, I graduated. Say, long road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a lot of work to do, and um, but I got my portfolio together and um, was able to get got my first design job working for uh, Corey Corporation. Um, nice. Doing yeah, doing like in-house promotional stuff. They have a lot of um, restaurants in the hotel in the um, convention mm-hmm. center and absolutely. And there's Grand Over Resort, so I uh, got that job. But then the economy tanked. Oh, eight. Oh, nine. Yes. Oh, 2008. Oh, I didn't and think about that. Yes. So, Great Recession. I'm a, I'm a you know, casualty of the Great Recession oh, in some ways. no. So, I graduated in 2007. And, you know, this is right before the, the world comes crashing down. Um, and so, I had this job. And this is a hospitality job. And this is one of the first in, uh, sectors that are affected by this. Cut. So, yeah. like... I could tell my boss did not want to let me go. He was trying to find other work for me to do in, in the hotel. And I'm just like, you did me a favor hiring me as my, this is my first design job. So I'm going to do you a favor. I, I see what's happening here. I'm going to go back to my job at the bank so that you don't have to fire me or lay me off. Rather. Oh, yeah. But also, I don't want to do random stuff around the hotel. Definitely <laughs> so, not. So no. like, I briefly went back to uh, my job at, at Wachovia at the time. Now it's yeah. Wells Fargo. Yeah. And um, and then got lucky not long after that was able to get a job at UNC Greensboro doing online course development and so yes. that was what I did for the five years until I decided to go out on my own and do freelance. Um, so yeah, five years of designing online courses and learned a ton. And eventually, like I didn't love web design at first. It was just a job that was available. Yeah. I eventually did grow to love web design. Uh, I think you just, you get better at something and you're like, oh, I like this now because I don't suck at it. Um, and when you suck at something like I did at first, you don't love it as much. Right. Because it doesn't feel good to suck at it. You hate it. <laughs> you hate it because Abs- <laughs> Absolutely. My ego couldn't handle it. No, no. I'm like, I'm like, I'm real bad at this. This We're doesn't do feel this. good. Why do you do something um, I'm bad at? Yeah, yeah so yeah. that's, um, so I had, I guess, two design jobs Uh like official jobs. But what put me in position to strike out on my own um, was this love slash obsession with patterns that developed in school. And I don't, I'm not entirely sure where it came from. I just somehow, I had this one project where um, we had to make a book, a non-traditional book. And so I did a book in the shape of like feathers and made all these like peacock themed patterns i'm not real sure with this i don't really know what the idea was i just i was like i want to go with it and mm-hmm. like after that project i just couldn't get enough of patterns and so i just made them for fun for funsies in my own time and eventually built up this huge portfolio of patterns and like illustrations that i had made for no reason and um was doing that alongside of my actual job and at one point, I was like, you know what? I I want to, I want to do this. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. Once again, it's like I don't know how or if I even can. Um, but there were a couple of factors that made a huge difference. One was this company called Spoonflower. That's a, a North Carolina company yep. um, in Durham, and they print fabric on demand. And that was yes, they do revolutionary because mm-hmm. prior to that, if you wanted to design fabric, you would have to have some kind of connection to 
a manufacturer or to like go and like um you know pitch your work to all these people and that was very scary still is very scary um but Spoonflower spoon made made it so that anybody could get their their design printed on fabric and so there was that that you know kind of changed the game a little bit and then just um the internet and social media in general making taking down some of the barriers between you know um an artist and the people that want to pay for the art that they're making so it didn't solve every problem but it put me in a position that you know was kind of unique it's not anymore, but at the time, you know, it was is the beginning of like everyone's a brand and everyone's mm-hmm. everyone is, you know, on all the time and everyone. I don't know. It's so I, I remember the days before I thought of myself as a brand, <laughs> and and now, um, so I, I I know the difference, but at the same time, I, there's not a huge difference. I think I've always been like had a really strong sense aesthetically of who I am and what's important to me and. and like what I like and the kind of work I want to make. Mm-hmm. And now I just have a reason to focus on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Also for working for yourself. Yes. Yeah. Working for, well, you never really work for yourself, I don't suppose. I, okay. Instead of, instead I heard having, that the other day, actually. It's funny you said that. Because <laughs> I don't have a boss again. It's like, you're always going to have a boss. <laughs> instead of one boss, I don't have like 15 different bosses. But at least yes. none of these bosses are in my, like... They're they're not. they're not here in my home, or I don't go to an office to report directly to them. I have a lot of entrepreneurs in my family, and I joke that it's because I come from a long line of people that cannot get along with other people enough to like work a regular job. And it's yes. not it's not really an exaggeration. There's a lot of truth to that, <laughs> but also it takes it takes a lot of things to um, want to strike out on your own because. There is so much uncertainty. The uncertainty, I feel like, never goes away. It just shifts into a different kind of an. Or the what's causing your uncertainty becomes a different thing. But mm-hmm. I just I don't know that. Um, I don't know that it ever fully goes away because even as your if your business is growing and doing well, that presents new challenges. Um, yep. Different challenges from when, you know, maybe your business isn't growing, doing well. You're just trying to figure things out, and that's its own kind of thing. And then, each new level. Um, each new milestone along the path brings you know, new reward, but also new anxiety. And anxiety becomes your constant companion, and you just kind of have to figure out how to, you know, not let it be, uh, not hog all of your time and energy and attention, and just acknowledge, yes, this is a little bit scary. Yes. And, and then that's it. That's all the space it gets to take up in your, uh, you know, because anxiety is one of those things. And, and that the fear and the uncertainty, you can give it all of your attention and it's a black hole. It will just keep taking your attention. There, there's no point at which you can give it enough attention and then it goes away. So yeah. you have to learn to say, okay, I see you. I see you over there. Nice. Good morning. Good to see you again. And then, then you just ignore it for the rest of the time because there's no value in continuing to focus on that feeling of, what am I doing or why did I do this or what was I thinking? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you were thinking or why you did it. The point is you're there now and you got to figure out how to move forward and um, you <laughs> so figure it out. It really doesn't matter. And, and you can spin your wheels and waste time and energy in that sense, that uncertain space instead of, you know, trying to put it aside and, and move forward. The first year after I left my full-time job was actually probably my most successful in terms of like dollar amount because I had, I still had a lot of freelance coming in from my old job. And then I had, I don't know, it it was strangely, yes, like a really good year financially, but I was the most stressed out The like I was almost paralyzed with fear. And so paradoxically, even though the years, the ensuing years haven't been, haven't quite gotten to that point financially where I was, I'm much happier, more comfortable (laughs) And I like part of me wishes that I had not indulged, which I I don't know that there's any other way I could have done it. Um, You you can only know what you know when you know it. But I wish that I could go back and not um, be in that that headspace of just pure anxiety because I think it really I couldn't even appreciate how well I was doing and and what was uh, working for me. And I couldn't enjoy the process like everything was just tainted by that. That dread and that like that yes. uncertainty and that fear that I had you know part of that was 
my own making because I left my job without a clear plan. But you I know, love that. but sometimes that's just you know, it, that's not the right way for everyone to do it. But it's also it is a way to do it, and it forces you to to figure things out. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's the hard way, but the lessons that you learn they stick. <laughs> so when you learn <laughs> lessons the hard way, you don't forget them. And I think, you know, I don't know that I would do it differently, but I also, when people ask me, should I do this? I generally say, no. <laughs> the, way, <laughs> no the way you, you did it, yeah. You should not do it the way I did it. Yeah. I don't Have recommend. Have some plan. I do not recommend that. Um, if anyone's out there, blink twice and keep listening. Blink twice and keep listening. Hi, Teamsters. I'm Carrie Ann. And I'm Allison. And this is Podcast Without an Audience. We're two friends, pick two topics, and find intersectionality. We are a psychology and history podcast. Each Thursday, we find intersectionality between our topics. Or not. <laughs> you can find us on social media at Pod Without an Odd, or join us on the web at podcastwithoutanaudience.com. Join us in discovering what connects us all. And if you support us, blink twice. And if you're out there, keep listening. Not a great method for most people. Right, right. I know some people who will ease out and do, you know yeah. freelance. Some people who would yeah. dive head first, kind of like you did, which is you know which is fine. School, school of hard knocks, I suppose. Again, it's like that's one way to do it, but that's not the only way to do it, and that's not that's not the best way to do it. There's, it's not like if you ease into it that, that that's somehow less impressive. It's not it's probably smarter and good for you. I wish that that was the way that I did things, but it's just not who I am. And sometimes you just have to be true to who you are. Um, but yeah, if you're a planner, embrace that and, and plan your way yes, <laughs> into your next Renatia, Don't just You can go ahead and jump you can on, just out jump on out into the water. And, and the <laughs> pool might even be empty. You don't even know if the pool has water in it. <laughs> Dude, so you just true. jump and you'll find out after you've jumped what's waiting for you below. Just a bed of rocks. Oh my <laughs> gosh. So that's, yeah, that's amazing. It's um, Sometimes I am impressed. I'm like, it's been five years. I am still, you're still, still paying, doing it. I'm paying still your bills? doing this thing. I'm paying yeah. my bills. Toby, you're still Got, getting got toby eric over here bobby toby toby eric bobby whatever his name is today <laughs> that's Jim. phenomenal so what work obviously you got work freelance from your old job yeah. and then you got some requires from new clients sure so I'm, I'm curious i guess this was probably what year is this you probably you 2015 15 so yeah social media oh yes which is a way to market yes. and brand yes. and all that so we yes. were you able to market yourself effectively on there to get more jobs a little bit yes and i i also had an agent um, so I skipped That's over that right. detail. I had gotten yeah. an illustration agent or a licensing agent to market my um, patterns to companies. And I think p- that's part of why I, even though I didn't have much of a plan quitting my job, I also wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to be an overnight success. I knew I was taking a risk, but I also knew if I didn't, I would stay at my cushy, comfy job mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. And I just w- I knew I would regret that, that choice if I didn't see what would happen. And so I had an agent and I... I thought that was going to be more of a like instant solution than it was. And that was just my ignorance of the industry and how it works and how difficult it was going to be. It's one thing to make illustrations and make patterns. It's another thing to make trend based work that, you know, mass market companies are going to want to buy and to mm-hmm. figure out how to do that in a way that still feels authentic to you but it's also yeah like you you need to pay your bills so you've got to to match or balance you know your desire to be authentic and to be to be yourself with the fact that you've decided to be part of an industry that's very trend-based and demands kind of a a different approach and just figuring out where where is the sweet spot where's the balance between these um these two worlds and yeah that took that took a lot of time to Mm -hmm. Even under, like, just wrap my head around all of it. It was a steep learning curve. Absolutely, um, absolutely. So. I think the biggest fear a lot of artists have, and I have this as well, is making sure your, or just, I guess, your passion doesn't become too much of a business. Sure. So I'm very, um, I'm, I'm envious that you kind of, I guess you found that sweet spot, or you're still finding it I, even now, I right? I'm still finding it, but, you know, I, I like left my agent last year because okay. I feel don't know that with that particular agent and again this is absolutely no um this is not like her fault or she didn't do anything wrong it's just the reality like her clients and the type of work that her 
studio was known for wasn't a wasn't a great fit for like the kind of art that I want to make and, and my style and the things that are important to me and so I made the choice to see okay what does my life look like without an agent and with me marketing and selling myself directly to my dream clients and you know the people that I think what I'm making will resonate with them in a more natural way so I'm not having to make stuff that doesn't feel like any it's like I would never make this or I, w- I wouldn't buy this 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 isn't doesn't feel authentic to me at all and again you every single thing you make doesn't have to be a masterpiece that you are so, you know you don't always get to make stuff that's like exactly how you want it to be because you know I'm making work for other people and this mm-hmm. is not work I when I'm making work for myself in my sketchbook or just playing around you know at, at my table that work I don't care if anyone else likes it because it's right. for me that's, but that's, that's playtime and that work does feed into my um, more commercially geared work in a roundabout way um, but yeah, so I didn't. I wasn't really quite able to strike that balance with my agent because, again, the market demands um, of of her clients were just a little bit different. They weren't quite aligned with what where I wanted to be. Um, and so now I am. I do feel. I mean, I felt a little bit like I was a zebra pretending to be a horse. Like I was constantly yeah. trying to paint over my white stripes and mm-hmm. just be like, I'm a I'm a horse. <laughs> Don't mind yeah. me. And it that was taking up a lot of time and energy and, and without having to do that now that I'm just on my own, I do feel a lot better and more energized and more able to like, um, you know, get, uh, get that balance that I was looking for before, but it's, it's still, uh, you know, it's a process. I don't know if the process ever comes to an end, but I guess you Definitely just kind of level up a little bit and I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's wild. I'm curious cause I've never heard of an illustrator agent before sure. ever in my whole entire okay. life. So, for people listening and who want to go that route, yeah. I guess how we find an agent, are you taking, they're taking a bit of your commission, I guess? <laughs> they sure are. Uh, Boy, yeah, I'm, Boy, I'm, I'm sure it's more than a bit. <laughs> yes. But, so they're literally fishing your work out to people and yes. hoping to get, you know, someone to, you Absolutely. know, latch on and then you yes. do whatever work they Yes, do. and once upon a time, especially before social media, the role of, a, of an agent, so there's agents that focus on, like, book illustration so if you really like it you want to illustrate oh, children's books okay. or something so you might have an agent that specifically does that there's agents that focusing on that focus on art licensing and that's my agent she was an art licensing agent so um illustrations and and patterns the so things you might see on fabric or gift bags or house houseware type stuff it, it could be on a range of products but like pretty much everything except for book illustrations or um, editorial illustrations like you might see in like the New York Times or you know a, a magazine those tend to have slightly different you might have one agent that focuses on that and one that focuses on licensing like mine did but yeah there's there's all kinds of agents that represent artists and they um, they have clients hopefully a, a long list of clients that they meet with on a regular basis and shop your work around gotcha. so you're okay. not so your only responsibility is to make new work and they market your work and and they do that part and yes they take a, a pretty giant chunk of what you make but they, they also you know they're getting your work in front of people that you you may not be able to get your work in front of on Very your true. own and some like it's not that you can't do it yourself because that's actually what I'm doing now is the marketing yeah, yeah. piece of things and, and getting contacts and, and getting in touch with with creative directors and you know the folks who, who buy artwork but it, that takes up a lot of your time and so some people do want they just want to make the work they don't care that someone's taking not taking but like you know it's a partnership I guess yes, where exactly. you make the artwork and the agent gets a commission off of that because they have the contacts that you need and that frees you up you don't have to manage the contracts Very true. you don't do any of that you don't you know they go to trade shows typically back before COVID when you, when people wow, did that sort of thing yeah. so they would go to trade shows and so having an agent can be really helpful at the same time it is not a magic bullet as I discovered and you know what I didn't know before have like before I had an agent was that it's it's a lot like a relationship of any kind like any kind of long-term relationship you know it's almost like a marriage in a way like you need to be a good fit and you know you need to do some research and and um, so if someone is looking for an agent you know go out and find you know don't just find one agency and be like, I want to work with these folks, like do some research, research and yes. find several of them. And if you have any friends that you know, that have representation, ask them, I see that you're with such and such agency. How, how is it? What is it like? Um, 
because yeah it's just good to have there's no like good or bad it's just it's about expect your expectations being realistic and different agencies just have different methods and different clients and um, you know so that's not to say that one is right or wrong it's just a matter of your preferences and a matter of getting to to know what that experience is going to be like so that you can be prepared and so that you're not shocked by like oh wow I didn't know this was I didn't know this is how it was going to be. It's just good to know um, ahead of time what to expect and, and how to prepare yourself for it. The Free Pizza Podcast is sponsored by Zipster, specializing in custom websites and local design. You don't have to lift a finger to look cool online. Visit Zipster.com and see what they can do for you. Um, wow. That's yeah. all. Oh, that's wild. That's a world that I had no clue about. Sure. You know, and it's cool. Some people want to go that route. Like you said, some people just want to, hey, give me the work. I'll do it. Pay me. I yes. don't care. But yes. obviously, you want a little bit something, something more than that. Yeah, you that didn't work so well for me. Because again, I, I don't I don't mean to be so ornery, but man, telling me what to do is just, that's a fool's errand. Like, don't do it. But I say, yeah, exactly. You don't want to be <laughs> told. Yeah, I'm absolutely. not good at taking instructions, apparently. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, um, after, I was with my agent for six years. So mm-hmm. it was 2014 when I signed on with her. And that gave oh, me recent. A, um, that you let yeah that, that yes yeah. I, I left uh, just year. this past year uh, this past November um, so yeah it's been a process just going through all my work that I had with her my giant portfolio and deciding what do I keep what do I burn you know what can I recycle I'm not gonna burn it because digital files but you know like <laughs> stuff that I'm like oh man I'm <laughs> ugh, I don't want to see this anymore um, yeah and just figuring out how to move forward from there but yeah yeah yeah. Um, so and, that, and that's how you got into the um, uppercase and cloth and all those different publications. Sure, yeah. I, uppercase, I think came that I think that was when I had my agent. That the secret to getting your work in front of people is so simple. You just tell people. You just you just get in touch with people. You just yeah. email somebody. But as simple as that is, I'm still terrified. Like I still I'm like I. Put it off. Even if I have a contact, even mm-hmm. if I know who I'm supposed to, I'm like, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. I don't, it's just scary. And if you can get over your fear of like introducing yourself to people and saying, hey, I exist. Here's my work. Uh, you can find more work at you know this link. It's not hard. That's it. As simple as it that. It is so simple, but simple is not always easy. And yes. yeah, there's, that is the magical way. If you want to do what I'm doing or what any, you know, independent artist is doing, it's not it's not a secret. It's just there's. It's just harder than, yeah. than it sounds. Yeah. To to do it. So yeah, I just um, every once in a while I would work up the courage to send, to to introduce myself to someone and say, hey, I'm doing this. Hey, I'm doing that. And a lot of times people are like, oh, that's really cool, and like they're really nice about it. And if they don't care, they they might not respond. But rarely is anyone ever just straight up like mean or yeah. like oh this is garbage like don't ever talk to me I mean, no one's ever reacted that way the worst you're gonna get is crickets just yeah. silence and you know what silence never hurt anybody um yeah. so yeah just uh every day my like my main enemy is my for whatever reason is fear of <laughs> yes <laughs> of, rejection, of rejection. yeah yeah i guess that's what it boils down to is like and you just got to get over that and um and when I say you, I mean me. Cause like no, my... Me too. A lot of people listening to this too, they're like, like yeah, that's true. It's tough. And I, I mean, even seasoned artists talk about um, people that I feel like are, you know, years along or, you know, many levels ahead of me in their career. And they still, I guess it doesn't ever really go away. But, you know, I much like the anxiety that I felt when I first left my job, you just have to learn to like accept that it's there and harness it if you can you know, if you can do something with it great or you know at the, at the least just ignore it and not feed it more of your time and attention and energy than it deserves because that time and attention and energy which is limited we all have limited of all those things that needs to be spent you know on important stuff like doing the creative fun part of the work and, absolutely yeah wow that's crazy so uh, you're battling the same things a lot of us are battling then internally. Sure. That's crazy because sure. I'm the same way because, I mean, yeah, it's really as simple as, you know, if you find someone that's aspiring or someone you work for, they send them a quick email and they might respond, they might not. So it really is as simple as that. It's, that's, that's 
It's pretty crazy to think about. <laughs> I know, and it is. I think about that a lot. I'm like, gosh, this is so easy. Why is it so hard? <laughs> yes, my goodness. So I want to go to your style, um, and I'll tell people how I met you. I met you at the prior, I guess it was the art market. Yeah. At prior yes. brewing. Um, and I was just blown away when I went over to your table. I remember I bought the balloon animal enamel pin. Yes. Yeah, I bought another one too, but I can't remember what was it, the it was. Pinata, the yes, little... yeah, the pink pinata. Yeah, yeah, I bought that one. Yes. Yes. The okay. Yes. Pinata. Yes. 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 What it was. Yes. That's why that you have. Oh one yeah. Here? One of them's. It's on that board behind you, but there's a lot of stuff up there. So I would, don't worry. Try, don't even try to find it. Yes. It's in a mix of a bunch of things. Yes. I got a pinata and the yes. the, the um balloon the balloon dog. Oh yes. wow! How'd you remember? Because those are the only like I remember meeting you. I remember that's like the no probably the thing I remember the most about um that day. Because you had such a good energy and you seemed like genuinely excited. Yes, because I was. <laughs> and, and that was just really nice. And not that other people weren't excited, but I think at the time I still didn't, I still didn't see myself as someone who was doing something that was interesting or special or even valid. Like there was, I still had a lot of insecurity and still a lot of like, and I mean, I, again, I, that doesn't ever fully go away either, but I just had so many questions about what I was even doing and how I was going to do it that mm. it was hard for me to see past that and to see what other people could see that were looking in from the outside. Um, and yeah. that, yeah, that you responded to my work and that you, you saw something in it that made you happy. Absolutely. Um, and then your happiness, you know, and, and <laughs> made me happy. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, it, like that was a really memorable interaction. I mean, again, what, three years ago at yeah. least? It was a while back. Wow, and, that's crazy. Um, remember what I bought? Yeah, <laughs> I, re- cool. I remember. Because yeah. I, I just remember that interaction with you and, and that you seemed. And I was like, well, maybe he's just always excited about everything. Like, I wasn't. And, and you, you really, I'm very like easy to please. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But that's, that's a great quality. And that doesn't invalidate that you were excited about. Because um, you don't seem like somebody who would be fake excited no. about something. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> on top of that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I remember, um, I remember yes. meeting you in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And all your work was just so vibrant and fun. And I was just, so this is years ago. The podcast was the thing back then, but I was like, eventually I need to interview you. <laughs> here you are. And Dreams here we do are. come true. 2021, we're here. <laughs> so, yeah. So how are you able to, I guess, create such a vibrant and fun and, you know, your style is just so, it's so fun. I, I should use better words than that, yeah. but it's, I love fun. the colors, the patterns, all that. How, what's the inspiration behind that stuff? It is fun. And I think especially when I was when I was in grad school fun is not allowed <laughs> art is sad and it's supposed to be hard and miserable and fun is for girls and fun is lame and fun is not serious and it's you know I was told a lot of things that I don't think are true I just think that not you want if you all. want to you know if that's your point of view great that but we just are gonna agree to disagree and so I think I just finally decided like this is these things make me happy. Like mm, my yes. life, my uh, quality of life, my sense of well-being is enhanced by these things. Like I don't care if you don't like it. Yes. <laughs> it makes no difference to me. Like I like I don't know. It just makes me really happy. I it's a visceral reaction and and just it's like a subconscious thing. Like I just am drawn towards certain things the way. And some people ask like, well, how do you how do you know? And it's so hard for me to, to articulate. It's like, how do you know you're hungry? Or how do you know you're in love? And it's just like a, it's like a gut thing. Mm, um, intuition. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it is. It is mm. very much about its intuition. And I think in some ways, like there, there's a choice to embrace the fun, happy, hopeful, just exuberant um, side of life. Because if you choose not to embrace that, the crappy things will still happen. Mm, it's not that yes. if, if you, you're not saving yourself from anything by not wanting to risk feeling happy and then it gets taken away or feeling, you know, joyful or indulging in that. It's like, it doesn't protect you. Uh, to, to shun those things does not protect you from bad things happening or from, from bad challenging difficult moments but when you choose to, to see the joy and embrace and indulge in that where you can I feel like it insulates you a little bit makes you more resilient and it does in my experience at least it makes more of itself like the more joy you find the more you figure out how to find joy and the more Ooh, you figure out how to like, like places to look for it and, and um, you see it in all of its many forms and it takes practice just like anything else and the more you practice the better you get and again, 
neither neither option, either in, um, appreciating fun and joyful things or completely avoiding them, is going to save you from the hard parts of life. But mm-hmm. one one path, the one that involves you know being more um, open and like appreciating happy things it just makes you a little bit more insulated and it gives you a little more it's like a little bit it's like a bubble bubble wrap you know so yes. so when you get thrown around by life at least you're carefully packaged you know when like amazon throws your box on your porch oh my gosh what a, you know they don't put bubble wrap in their boxes it's just <laughs> just throw it so you don't want to be the Amazon box of stuff. You want to be carefully packaged like someone cared about what they were doing. When life throws you around, you don't break. So I, I that's, that. I think, kind of um, why I don't, I'm no longer going to apologize to anybody for my work being really colorful and really just fun, man. I'm having fun. And if you, yes. if you don't like it, you don't, ha- you don't have to look at it. Yes. Uh, isn't that cool how if you don't like something, you can just look at something different? Absolutely. <laughs> Solution. Problem solved. Just walk away. Just walk away. Oh, I love so, that. So, yeah. Um, that's wild. I love that. I love, and I love, also love that you are capitalizing on work you want to do. I sure. mean, that's very awesome. A lot of artists get stuck in the bubbles of not doing things they want to do, and it ends up burnout and yes. scourging. You throw away your arts. You know, so many people who got cut into just doing things that made them money. And obviously, you make money, you're, 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 but you're doing your thing. But a lot of people who just do things just for sure. the sake of money. And, and, and I have certainly seen. And I've done a little bit of that, and it just was so unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes I wish I was a little more motivated by money, because money is helpful. It's a helpful thing to have. It really is. And that's, you know, there are many ways in which I'm contrary, and one of them is that I I make a lot of time to just play and experiment, and I that does not make me any money. Um, uh, but it also, it, ma- it, it makes me happy. It makes me want to get up in the morning, and that's really valuable. Sometimes I I don't feel like I have a lot of material wealth to to show off but then there are days when i'm like my life is really enviable in a lot of ways because i've chosen to do the things that make me really happy and i will nobody can tell me not to and you know it's just it's like a it's a trade-off and um making money is really important and especially if you have a family to support or i don't know like various bills to pay so i also understand that my I've made life choices and sacrifices, but also I'm, I'm lucky in a lot of respects. Um, but yeah, like I, this is important to me. I have prioritized enjoying my day and enjoying the life I'm building ahead of just making money. And I feel like, and I, maybe I'm jinxing this. I'm at a point in my career where like the two are starting to intersect a little bit more, Mm -hmm. but it's taken a very long time to get here. And there were many days, many, you know, months and years that I wasn't sure if I was ever going to get to this point now, which is, again, not even quite where I want to be, but I'm starting to see little inklings of like, okay, things are coming together. Um, but I don't know that that would be the case if I just did it for the money. And mm-hmm. That's that's one path to take. And some people I think are happy or, or their style and what they like doing is really commercially viable and just gets them there quicker. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that that's not me. Yeah. And um, so I just was insistent on sticking, doing things my way, which is almost always the hard way. And like, I mean, I'm very aware, aware of that about myself, but I'm like, why do I have to do everything the hard way? <laughs> but you know, I don't know why I just do. And so I've stopped fighting that so much and just try to, if I'm going to do it the hard way, at least do it the smarter hard way then um, yeah. So I just, I can only be who I am. And uh, so the sooner you accept that, I think the easier your path. Oh, look at dropping jewels on this. Very true. Very true. Okay. Let's wind this on down because I'm interested in see what the future holds. I know you don't want to ask the next five oh, years no, questions, sure. but this, yeah. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking, <laughs> it, it, where do you see yourself ending? Do you see yourself still in Greensboro? Do you see yourself having your own studio? Do you like working from home? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you, what, what do you think those the are, far future will yeah, happen? Those are great questions. Those are, that's not quite the same as where do you want to be? In yeah, 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 yeah. Man, I love Greensboro and I don't like, I don't. Greensboro just feels like home. I have tried to get away from Greensboro, and I just, I don't. I just, I, and now I just love it, and I really can't even think about being anywhere else. I do think that it's only because of the internet and remote working, and then 
uh, social media that I can build this career in Greensboro because if had I started out even a few years prior to when I did, I probably would have had to move to LA or New York in order, in order to like do what I'm doing. So either I would have a different career or I would not be living here anymore. But I'm really thankful that the stars aligned so that I could stay in the in a place that I don't know. I I like this place. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't have any intention of leaving the triad area. It's been home for forever and I I like it that way. Um so it's just a matter of figuring out what does it look like to you know in some ways I kind of am waiting to see <laughs> what does the future hold. But I am starting to I think um be a little bit better about maybe directing it uh some instead of just being like, well we'll just see what happens. Um so yeah, I would love to have I like working from home, but it would be nice to have a dedicated studio mm-hmm. that isn't also my living room and my kitchen. Because um, <laughs> it gets <laughs> aggravating after a while to uh, Daniel and I are sitting at my dining room table. And prior to his, you know, coming to interview me, it was covered in <laughs> art stuff. And yes. so I had to shove it all like, somewhere, somewhere. in a drawer somewhere. Just somewhere. And like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a minor inconvenience. But it would be nice, I think, to have a space that is separate um but mostly i just want to you know i'm just really grateful to do what i what i do for a living even though i've worked hard to have this it's there's no denying that this is a really um privileged position to occupy it's a really wonderful thing that i get to do and um i earned it a little bit but also yeah like i'm really lucky and i don't ever want that to be lost on me so mostly i'm just excited and grateful every day to get up and do what i do and i don't have like I don't know if I have like a specific um, grand plan, but I don't know. I think I just want to do more of, of what I'm doing and feeling now, now that I'm 100% on my own because I don't even have an agent anymore. And like what happens when I am, for good or bad, you know, like I'm fully steering this ship and all the choices are mine and all the mistakes <laughs> I own too. But like that was always the case, you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like that's not a good answer to your question, but it is. Um, I mean, you 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 embrace the unknown, and sure. yet you're you're accepting of whatever may come. So if you get to your space later on, awesome. If not, whatever. You're still working hard. <laughs> sure. You're still supporting yourself, sure. and that's the important part, you know. Yeah, it is, and and I think you know that comes from just I, I take a lot of time to evaluate and reevaluate what my priorities are, and you know, it's when you know what's important to you I think that that answers a lot of the other questions and like for me what's important is just like being able to wake up every day and make some kind of living off of making work that is joyful and fun and you know my clients are excited about it and their customers are excited about it and people like Daniel are excited about it they find it at yes. you know find it at a craft show absolutely so, yeah, like, and I think for a long time I did not even though I see a lot of products and um, artwork that excites me that I relate that resonates with me and then I'm like oh I have to have that so I've been on that side of the experience but it's taken me a long time to accept that I can produce that for someone else like that other people feel that way about what I'm doing and that that is valuable it's not I mean maybe it's a little bit of a luxury you know compared to like food and shelter but when you think about quality of life and having a rich you know connected meaningful life I mean art plays a huge role in that and you know when I make stuff that people that brings people joy or that they you know connect to in some way like that makes them feel happy but also connected to like humanity as a whole and like there's just it has a lot of hard to quantify but like really important um, benefits to be able to to do that and yeah like I think I finally am starting to see that oh the the work that I make makes people happy makes people feel seen or makes people feel validated or you know energized or whatever they're feeling when they see it and um that was just something that was hard for me to uh wrap my head around for a long time which is probably why like when you were so excited when you uh, found me at that craft show that like i remember it because i remember being like that's really cool and just kind of trying to puzzle out like why though and and it's not that big of a mystery i mean like yeah that's awesome 
But yes, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens then. I'm sure I'm rooting for you, whatever Thank you may you. do. I'm, I'm hoping for the best. Yeah, don't, don't have a voodoo doll where you just oh, put your pins on it. No, all. Side not at all. <laughs> I know you're yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm so stuck that we're actually neighbors. That, But I literally, <laughs> I drove here because I was taking time, but I can, I'm literally up the street. <laughs> I'm on Hill Street. Like, I'm right there. That's awesome. Pretty insane. So I we're know. neighbors, so we got to hang. Yeah. I would love that. Come yeah, hang little, out in my Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yes, here. I got so much to edit so many times. We can come and work and do whatever oh, and yes, hang that out. That would be awesome. You know, enjoy the weather. Um, oh, yeah, the weather. Yeah, it's so nice right now. You're ready to leave soon. So, um, where can we find your internet? Are you taking commissions right now? Um, yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at by Nadia Hassan. So it's B Y N A D I A H A S S A N. It's just my name. You can also probably search my name and find me. Um, and then my website is just nadiahassan.com. Um, and as far as commissions and stuff, I mean, hey, if you have ideas, you let like I, you know, I'm very open to okay, all kinds open. of okay. all kinds of things. So yeah, if you check out my work and you want to know something, just shoot me an email. My you can there's a contact form on my website, but also my email address is on. Oh, there, the contact so. on there. So oh, wait, oh, everything everything they need is on your website. Everything you need is on my website. Okay. Cool. And and things you don't even need are on my website. So it's a, it's a one stop shop for all the essentials. Great website. And all the non essentials. You have a ton of work on there, <laughs> which is amazing. It's kind of mind blowing all sure. all the work you've done. I hope you're very proud of what you've done. Thank you. You've established a great brand. Thank you so so much. vibrant and fun and great. And I'm honored to have done this. I, I am honored that you asked me to be a part of this podcast. Of course, of Thank course. you so and you'll much. be back. I'll find some reason to bring you back. You, yes, I'll, <laughs> I'll make you find a reason. Yes. <laughs> We're neighbors, and I know where we to are, find you. It's very true. We are neighbors. <laughs> but yes, guys, thank you for listening. Um, there's a lot more. If, if there's any more you want to know, please send Anadia a message or a DM, whatever. I'm sure she'll answer whatever you need to know. Um, but yes, that's it. We're good. Get you to your appointment. Thank you. <laughs> yes. All right. We're out, guys. Um, rate, review, subscribe. Do your thing. Tell your mom about the podcast. I need to feed my family too. All right. Willow Wellness Center in High Point strives to deliver an inclusive, accessible, and non-judgmental approach to well-being by helping their clients find balance and peace in all aspects of life through massage therapy, yoga, reiki, and a variety of group classes. And now they're offering virtual yoga classes for yogis of all types, including a free beginner-friendly Friday morning flow that you can take from the comfort of your own home. Visit willowhighpoint.com and check them out on social media at Willow High Point to jumpstart your personal well-being today. The Free Pizza Podcast. We are on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Just go on the Google App Store. Go on everywhere. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, Live Journal, Twitter. We tweet. We'll do smoke sniggles. Whatever y'all need. Thank y'all so much. Have a good night.